Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show with Nancy Hopkins and Walt Silva. Produced by Colleen Kelly of Haggy Shack Radio, simulcasted over Cosmic Reality Radio. Hi, Nancy. How you doing? Good to have you back. And yes, thank you very much. Um, I am back. I took a little trip, and in the meantime, Walt had something happen to his voice. I'm not exactly sure what. So he's not on with us tonight. Um, it is uh, the tenth, uh, the sixth of October, 2015, and so Colleen is going to have to be my co-host big time tonight. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yeah, because I didn't really get a lot of um, research done. I wasn't. I didn't even have access to a computer. What? Oh, you mean when you were gone? Yeah, it was weird. It was like at one point I went like, uh, "You guys mind if you just go to the?" <laughs> I went to Wolf Spirit to make sure at least the schedule was getting posted. Not that I could do anything if it wasn't. And um, so I I understand that we. Um, that we did do Joyce's show and it it was good. That was on Friday. It's this time frame seven to nine, and supposedly it went off well. And that's important because she's got a lot of really good people and information to share with us. So I was glad to hear that. Sorry, girls' night out didn't get out, but <laughs> well, it kind of sort of did. And Nettie winged it. And Nettie winged it. Nettie winged it. <laughs> Well, it's now pouring a... Why does it pour every time I get on Cosmic Reality? And the cat's out. I hope he, I hope he's smart enough to get out of the rain. <laughs> he's got places to do it. And if I bring him in here, he's just going to be all over me. So, good luck, cat. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own. Because <laughs> most of the time, he just sits out there and, you know, he's completely covered and watching the rain. Mm-hmm. As long as it doesn't get blowing. I understand it was blowing here for a while over Friday or thir- Saturday. I guess thir- Friday. And, uh, you know, some palm fronds came down. And the Kristen, who was sitting there, wait, babysitting here, she was like, I wasn't sure I was going to get outside the door. <laughs> she did and got him out of the way. Um, well, um, I don't know. What, what should we talk about? Did you get to listen to Simon's show? Um, I've listened to it a couple times. I didn't get to listen to it again uh, today after we chatted on Skype because uh, I had, you know, live shows and such. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I did. I did. And, um, I, you know, he's still talking about the Pope announcing this, uh, uh, what do they call it, the new uh, world order thing. 2030-something or other, yeah. And, and and yet I saw nothing of that in any kind of, uh, I didn't read every word of his, his, you know, what he said at the UN, um, but I read enough that I said, oh, well, I don't, I don't hear anybody, you know, shouting. And so today, after listening to it, I went and Google and I, 
put in, you know, New World Order announced by Pope, and, you know, a number of different ways. And the only thing I was getting was that this was going to happen. It was all being, uh, had July uh, notes on it. And so finally I found an Al Qazir, uh, verbatim, uh, what he said, and I started going through it, and I'm going like, I still don't see any UN thing, but then he cited a couple of uh, programs of which I was not familiar with, and that's when I started running out of time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know. I still don't see where it happened, and like I say, there was nothing, no, nobody can't, including Simon. I went on his website to see, well, did you say something in your, you know, did you, nothing. I'm seeing nothing telling me what it was that the Pope was supposedly to have said that announced this new world order. I, I just don't see it because we, on this show, decided that, no, we'll get a good, we'll get the timeline with a good Pope and none of that will be said. And I never did hear it. So do you know anything different than, than what I've just covered? Uh, no, I don't know anything different. But then again, uh, I think there's a difference in the text that we get <laughs> and what's kind of really going on. Uh, well, that's why I went with al Kajir's. <laughs> yeah. That was the truthful one. <laughs> well, one would hope. But you know, I don't know. Uh I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other, you know. Of course, I'm not easily surprised these days. So, I don't know. Um, I know that, you know, with the, the church's stance on birth control and all that sort of thing, that does seem a bit counterproductive. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people against birth control that once the baby's born, they don't give a crap. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, they fight for the for an infant that's not born, but once they're born, well, you know, what do they call them? Wait, what, uh, eaters? Yeah. Wait, waste, wasted, waste, wasteful eaters or something? It, some term they started cooking up. It. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um yeah, so I didn't say anything on that. And then also, he kept promising he was going to talk more about CERN, and he talked about something about all these little CERNs that got together and did something to find the, the fourth dimension. And again, it just, it just, what? You know? It never went anymore. That's why I kind of get frustrated by his show, because the questions are coming, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and sometimes, well, that's why we ended up having the, the, the ODD show after his, was because we wanted to kind of stop and, and talk about some of the stuff he had said. And, of course, some of the stuff he has said has led us into looking at things that we wouldn't have looked at before. So, um, Yeah, some more in-depth things. You know, I don't know if... If he could, or even wants to, you know, do a show, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about today. Not really taking questions, you know, but that's going to tick a lot of people off. Because, you know, like you said, we had, one time I checked, there was like 240 people uh, in the chat, uh, or listening on that particular channel, and... You know, the, the questions had to have started at like 7.30 in the morning 
people just posting do 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 do. So you know, he I know that he tries to get all of the question. Well, I can't say all of them, but as many questions in as possible. Uh, but I would like to see some in-depth kind of stuff. Uh, but then, you know, that's just me. So, well, and you. <laughs> yeah, and me. And me. So, um, and I started to, I didn't want to take notes because I just, I'd been sitting for so long. Oh, tra- yeah. Traveling that I just laid down and listened to it, you know, and then I'm going like, I'll remember that, I'll remember that. And then I got up and I went, uh-oh, I better listen to that again. It takes a, you know, quickly go through it. But then, like I say, I got interested in that thing about the Pope. I uh, have tried taking questions, but I get so interested. And, you know, I'm like, I'll start trying to take notes. And then I get so into what he's talking about, I forget to take notes. So I'm like, ah. And I've listened to some of them, you know, like some sections Oh, gosh, probably six or seven times, you know. So there's just some things that it seems in my mind that it just doesn't want to hear certain parts of what he's saying. It's just like, now, damn it, because <laughs> I'll rewind the, you know, because I'll download it and then rewind it and listen again, and then I'll go, Wait a minute, I just missed it again. I do that with him, too. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd wonder sometimes if it's n- not him, but it's my mind, you know, trying to grasp it, or or it's just not wanting to hear it. I don't know. I don't know either, because I have the same question. It's like, what did he just say? And so then I listen to it again, and I'm going like, I still don't know what he said, and I'm not sure... If he jumped and I didn't hear it, I mean, he jumped and that's why I didn't hear it because it didn't go anywhere, he jumped, you know, or whether I actually spaced out because I went to whatever he was saying and spaced out and didn't hear the next thing. But it, whatever it is, it is a pattern because, I've, done, I've like you, I've done it a number of times with him. He's very interesting. And it, it is such a preposterous kind of story, you know, that he's a politician. Mm-hmm. And um, he comes out with this, I mean, very bizarre concept of, and if, I, if I'm getting it right, is that he's got, yes, he's got Earth parents, but he's also got these extraterrestrial parents that live outside of the 3D, correct? Mm-hmm. That's the way you understand it, too. Yeah. On another dimension, another plane. Yeah. Which... I suppose isn't all that far-fetched. I mean, gosh, you look at all the stuff we've learned here in the last mm, couple years. You know, stuff that we're like, oh, man, that's all just sci-fi and stuff. And then you're like, whoa, dude, that's that's for real, you know. No. <laughs> it's like... It's absolutely crazy. Whoa, it is. It's interesting, you know, kind of fun, some of it, and some of it not so fun. But... Yeah, I love listening to him and uh, making my mind go, wow. Well, you know, it was it, it was very interesting for me, this trip, because, of course, I keep saying to people, we got to stay focused on this, this new reality. Mm-hmm. And I've also been very open in the fact that um, a lot of that falls to me because I'm in a special situation where I don't have 
a lot of people. I don't have any people around me. I got a dog, a cat, some fish, <laughs> and once in a while a telephone call or you know, and whatever I'm doing on the internet with the the Shungite store and the radio program and everything. But I don't have too many excuses not to stay focused. Mm. So I go I go off to to Massachusetts um with the idea that we're all going to get in our automobiles and we're going to go back to New York where we originated from. The family comes from New York, but my aunt uh Peg who's 88 years old is there in Binghamton. And so my sister got a bread and breakfast. And my god, that place was I mean, you couldn't have wanted for anything as perfect as this bread and breakfast. Mm. It was funny because um I, one of the reasons I got late on everything is my aunt did call me today. I didn't get enough time with you and I'm going like, yeah, because you were holding I'm saying to myself, yeah, cuz you were holding court with, you know, 100 people. <laughs> <laughs> And and I talk to her all the time, and, and my brothers and my sisters, they don't hardly ever talk to her, you know. And mm-hmm. I just kept an eye, and, and the seat next to her was filled every night, every day, all through two days, you know, with somebody else. So, um, But anyway, when she called, she was um, saying how concerned she had been when she heard where my sister Mary had chosen this bread and breakfast because... It's in an area that is very distressed and worn down, and she kind of freaked out, like, oh, my God, where are they going? Um, but it was an interesting thing because we did. We drove through this very depressed area, and I'm going, like, oh, my God, where are we going? You know, it was like all the buildings were closed up and obviously deserted. And many, you know, some one, once in a while you'd see something that looked like it was open. And then... I mean, it was like I blinked my eyes, and the next thing I know, we're in this very nice kind of, not plot, posh, but, you know, really respectable, higher middle class kind of neighborhood with these very large uh, houses, residential, old residential area. Old Victorian type? Oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, Love those houses. Oh, this house was, they had upstairs five, six bedrooms. One of them was for the uh, people that actually lived there and owned the place. But downstairs, it was very, very long. And they had a hallway that kind of like split down the middle. And so at the end of the hallway, you had a, a, a large kitchen. And then there was a, a, like a kitchen dining room area. And then there was a sunken room kind of thing. And then on the other side of the wall was all the way up was all these different little, like there was a dining room area and then another sitting room, you know, just couches and stuff. So even though we were spread through this whole house, you could see everybody. It wasn't like in some houses where you have a room and everybody goes to these different rooms and so you feel like you're in a small group. Mm-hmm. You felt like you were, it was a big group of people and, you know, there's that group over there and they were playing, they were playing this bad card game. It was, you know, they, I guess, I guess maybe I'm, I'm too old to get, well, my, my aunt was playing it. She's 88. I guess it isn't an age thing. But, <laughs> you know, they were, they were kind of like, there was a lot of sexual innu- innuendo and outright bizarre statements in this card game and it was like nothing. I, I tried to play it and I said, I can't play this thing. It was too stupid. <laughs> it really was. But what I realized is that I was having a terribly hard time trying to stay connected to anything. Mm. Because you got all of these family dramas and all this energy and I'm going like, Gaia, where are you? <laughs> 
And when I first got to the building, I looked at it and I went, "Ooh!" We got, I was just, I just sort of was surprised, and I went, "Ooh, we got spirits here." And my sister was standing. One of them, I've got five sisters, four sisters, and one of them was standing behind me. She said, oh, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. And so it was like I, I said to her, "Well, I said there's spirits up in the upper, like in the attic, sort of thing. It would look like three stories, but we only were on two, you know." Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what do they want? I said, I don't know. I got to connect with them later. And when I did connect with them, it was very, it was a very weak connection. And um, the only thing I was sure of was that um, it wasn't, it was Native American. Because I said something about, um, were you here when the house was built? You know, trying to get a time frame of who I was talking with. And they went, no, before, 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 before. And I went like, out before, and boom, I was open meadow, you know, before anything was here. And um, it's a very, when, you, when you're up there, it's it's in southern, central, well, actually the whole of New York, the whole south part of New York um, and the eastern part of it, which I'm familiar with because we drive it, you know, family stuff all the time. I find that there is a tremendous feeling of Native American in the area, but it's very depressed. It's like a very sad. Um, if I would, if I was to put a word on it, I'd say that they did a lot of cursing, and I mean powerful cursing. Mm-hmm. Um, they were. Guy is really upset. I mean, it's like it, it comes down to the energy universe, mm-hmm. and we've got all of these people that were working with directly with Guy with Mother N- Nature. They wouldn't kill anything without giving thanks to the spirit behind it. Mm-hmm. They, yes, they had wars between each other, but they weren't like genocidal wars. They were, you know, uh, sometimes petty stuff, but sometimes it was just that the two tribes were getting too big and encroaching on each other. It, it didn't have the sense of, um, it was more of a survival thing, get out of my neighborhood kind mm-hmm. of, rather than, um, more like what you would have with a, with a sibling than, you know, the guy next door that could be a, a rapist, you think. You know, somebody right. that really learned to hate because of the evil. You don't, you don't see that in the early uh, communities. Right. And, you know, it's something, too. You know, we had, you know, like the cowboy Indian movies when we were kids. And, of course, the Indians were always the bad guys. But... We weren't really taught about all the genocide that really went on. We think a, a lot of that went on out west. And maybe, you know, we had the Trail of Tears, you know, where they were all forced. But you're not really told about all the genocide that went on up in New England. You know, first I heard of that, I was quite surprised uh, in... Uh, uh, New York and Massachusetts and those areas. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had ancestors who were up in there in the 16 and 1700s. Uh, so, uh, you know, you, and even in doing genealogy, you hear about, you know, all these fights between the white settlers and the Native Americans or the First Nations uh and you know the atrocities done to each other 
But even in doing genealogy research, you don't really read about any of that that happened up in New England. So, uh, you know, it's kind of, I guess, what, they didn't want the f- people to know, the founding fathers, and all were in, involved in all that as well. I don't know. It's just kind of odd, I think. Are you there? Sorry, I was muted. Um, today on Facebook, I just got on today, and there was uh, a posting. And it's, uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, it is on Cosmic Reality, uh, the, the Facebook page, uh, group. 19-year-old Native University student, and I don't even want to say her name, Chitan, C-H-I-I-T-A-A-N-I-B-A-H. Johnson was expelled from a U.S. history class at at Cal State Sacramento University after speaking out in the class against the professor's definition of genocide and its association with natives. He said, genocide is not what happened. I stood up and started reading from an article by the United Nations that said, genocide is the deliberate killing of another people, a sterilization of the people and or a kidnapping of their children. And he said, that is enough. I said, no, you have to tell the truth. She was dropped from the class after attending only three sessions. Wow. Now, the... Oops, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get to the um, to the link. What the heck? Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, what happened was that when she first heard it, she was uh, freaked out, but she waited on it. You know, she just said, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just wait and see," because she was so enraged. You know, mm-hmm. she said, "I wrote it down. I was enraged for what I felt were obvious reasons. I didn't say anything on Wednesday because I knew that if I didn't have anything specific to back up my terms, or tangible or solid evidence, that he would not take my comments into consideration." On Friday, Johnson presented a research to the professor after his discussion on the Iroquois Quant Conference and the Portuguese expeditions. He made it a point to say indigenous people were not peaceful. Hmm. I was upset for obvious reasons. He mentioned how the French and the Dutch were allies and made it a point to say native people were killing each other before white settlers arrived. Hmm. Johnson said that she understood that there were native conflicts before settlers arrived but when the professor talked about the bravery of the Portuguese expeditions without emphasis on the slave trade, she again grew upset. On Friday, I raised my hand and I said, I understand why we are talking about the Portuguese people, because it explains how they got to America. But I do not think it is fair to talk about Portuguese people as if they were only poor and brave. They became rich by raping and enslaving the indigenous lands and the people that they discovered, said Johnson. Man, she's cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Johnson says that when she asked why the professor did not talk about any sort of Iroquoian technological advances or spirituality, and then asked about her professor's stance on genocide, the professor grew volatile and rolled his eyes several times. I told him, you said genocide implies the purposeful extermination of people and that they were mostly wiped out by European diseases. I said, that's not a true statement. He said, genocide is not what happened. I stood up and started reading from an article on the, by the United Nations that said, 
Genocide is the deliberate killing of another people, a sterilization of the people, and or kidnapping of their children. And he said, that is enough. I said, no, you have to tell the truth. He said, if you want to come to talk to me after my after class, now is not the time. You are hijacking my class. <laughs> after a bit more dis... Now, remember, this is college. Mm -hmm. This is mostly university, right? This is where it's gotten to. After a bit more discussion, which Johnson says became heated, the professor dismissed the class. Additionally, other students defended the professor. He said... You know what, class, I am so sorry that to everybody that this is happening. Please, everyone come back on Wednesday. Have a good weekend. After the class was dismissed, Johnson said she was expelled from the course by her professor. He said, I do not appreciate this in my classroom. He began shaking his finger at me and said, I don't appreciate you making me sound like a racist and a bigot in my classroom. <laughs> you have hijacked my lesson, taken everything out of context, and I don't care what kind of scholarship you have or what kind of affiliation you have with the university. You will be disenrolled and expelled from this classroom. <laughs> Within ten minutes of me asking these questions and trying to read pieces from the article, he shut me down. He wasn't listening. He excused everyone out of the room and told me I was expelled from the class. Since being told she was expelled from course on Friday, Johnson said she feels overwhelmed by the closed-mindedness and injustice of her situation. She was also disappointed that no students came to her defense. I had zero support from anybody in the classroom. And she goes on to talk about, well, I'm going to read it. All of the research I, research I had done was very traumatizing. To read about babies being slammed into rocks, being held from their ankles, to hear people being lit on fire while they were still alive, to hear of them being disemboweled and having their arms and hands chopped off. I know these things are true. I have been told them personally from my great-grandparents and grandparents and my mother who was in boarding school to be kicked out of the classroom like that and she goes on you know she said I've been dealing with this kind of racism since I was a little girl so um, the, the professor has not responded to the phone calls or email requests for comments from this uh, Vince Schilling and this is on uh, Indian Country Today of course Media Network mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's just tragic what's going on with these people, but like I say, I believe it's all true because of the dark energy that I feel through the very area that she's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, uh, and I'm sure that whoever was trying to contact me was, because the next, I mean, the, almost the first thing I open up is this, this article, mm -hmm. you know, after having been with these spirits that, like I say, I, I Connected with weekly when I weekly when I first got there, but then I never really could get back. I, it was like I never had any time. So I really sympathize with the vast majority of you, if not all of you, who have to deal with all these other energies that are surrounding you with the 3D trying to take you off the path. It's just nutty. Um, I personally don't know how any of you can survive it. <laughs> I couldn't get back fast enough. <laughs> So, yeah, that was about what I um, encountered there. Um, well, there's all these other little stories that go on with it. But the, I was trying to tell you the the when I when I finally got back to my sister's house and I was just sitting on the back porch. It was a nice day and it stopped raining. It was cool but dry. And I'm just sitting there and I'm I'm realizing that 
Well, first off, the one thing that was interesting to me was that um, the gin in that area are different than the gin that I know here. In what way? Well, um, the energies were slightly different. They seem to be... They seem to be less, um, the, the, the gin that, that Walt and I first met are the ones that, so they're not even from Florida. You know, they're from the main camp, wherever that happens to be, which seems out west someplace, in America anyway. Maybe not, but mountainous more, like caverns. Um, these people were um, in a different environment. They weren't mountainous people, you know, New England, New England gin. And they were not as um, demonstrative as the ones I know. They were kind of subdued. Um, they didn't seem to want to interact much, you know, but it was like every time I turned around, I was very much aware that they were there. Um, what I also felt was that because I had gone all the way across two states back to where I was born. I was born in Binghamton. And then I was with all this family. And um, I'll have to tell you one of the stories that I got from the family. But then driving back to uh, Massachusetts, we went into... Uh, I'd been on this road uh, dozens of times. And I had never noticed, maybe it was there or maybe it just got put up, but there was a sign that said University of Massachusetts, Amherst, next right or whatever it was. And um, I started to think back on the entire trip, and I st suddenly felt like it was almost a, a trip back into my own past, and that I was picking up pieces of myself, energy pieces that I'd left, pieces I'd left in New England, uh, New York, pieces I'd left at the university, just pieces that I was picking up. And I was sitting there, and I felt this feeling of uh, being more complete totality of uh, you know like oh i feel like i'm stronger like i'm i'm got everything back again mm. and it, it's and, I, and i'm sitting there going like i'm gonna have to process this you know and uh so <laughs> i am processing it i don't know exactly what it means i haven't been back here long enough to figure out you know what does this mean <laughs> and the other thing that simon got into it was like he started talking about the wave you know, that we were all talking about the last show and the show before that, the wave that's coming in, and JP talked about it a lot. And he seemed to have, he was talking about, well, the day that it happened, this one felt this and this one. Do you know what, what day this happened? Did you, did you get any notification of the wave has just passed through? No, not, if I did, I just skimmed by it. I don't that, know if they're talking that, about the one, you know, like with, if something was supposed to happen during the blood moon and all that. Yeah, that's what, that's what I thought he was talking about. So maybe it was on the blood moon. Yeah. Now that was a really strange thing too because, um, I don't know if I talked about this last week. Stephanie, um, oh, I guess I wouldn't have. Stephanie, uh, was it down at the beach and they went down there to see you know the blood moon the lunar eclipse 
And she said that it was when it comes up when it when it came up, you know, rose. It was so big. It was bigger. It was as big as the sun. And of course, they had no clouds where they were, and there was a the beach was full of people, and they were watching this amazing. She said there was a lot of um, they could see a lot of meteorites, which is odd if you got a moon that bright that you'd actually see them. So they must have been uh, pretty impressive to begin with, and that they just it was it was an awe inspiring kind of thing, and they're by the water, and she sees something in the water like like a submarine going down underneath the water that was all lit up, you know, like fluorescent. Hmm. Does anybody else see this? And um, they could, and they watched this thing get closer until they could see that it was a turtle, and that the turtle was biofluorescent. The whole shell was had all of these colors in it. And, um, you know, they were just like, whoa, what, what's that about? Well, two days later, she goes on... Facebook, and here is a National Geographic video being discussed. And in this video, they were saying that they had discovered that there were ocean critters. Uh, the 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 eels been bioluminous from the get go, that green color. But that a lot of other, well, not a lot, but that there were other. Uh, Ocean mammals that were show, or, you know, fish and mo- mammals that were showing uh, a tendency towards, uh, biolucence and especially the coral. So they were there filming the coral and it was, it was just beaming with all this fluorescent kind of colors in it. And as the, as the cameraman is, is filming it, all of a sudden this big turtle goes right under his body and into the, to the frame and it was, this, when Stephanie saw it, she was like, oh my God, I can't believe this because it was identically the same colors. It was this, uh, this green and this, uh, gold and this red. And it also was on the top of the, the, the turtle's head. Mm. I think it may have also been on the feet. I wasn't really sure. Um, but again, nothing that they had heard about this. They had never filmed it before. And of course they couldn't, the guys, the cameraman said it was like he came in, he showed us what he was going to show us, and then he was gone. And they can't capture it to find out what it is. That's not something they can legally do. So until one washes up on a beach someplace, you know, they'll never know what this stuff, well, conceivably won't find out for a long time what's causing this. But what I found that the, the National Geographic wouldn't realize is that they found that turtle in the Somolias. Stephanie saw it on the beach in, uh, off of the, Atl- in the Atlantic, off the coast of Florida. Wow. Now that's really peculiar. Yeah. Same colors. Yeah. And then to me, now I interpret this as, is that we're, that's a, an indicator of the new reality. That the new reality is making these changes that's now starting to overtake the old reality. Uh, that's the way I'm going to look at it, because reality is what you think it is, and I like that concept. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was, um, that was really intriguing. I'm not sure how I got involved with telling you that story. <laughs> but the changes, and, well, the wave, you know, this wave thing. So I don't know, well, the blood moon it was. Uh, that's what it was. It was a blood moon. Um, so I don't know also, I mean, I didn't feel, 
it was, the, the energies were so had been so weird up and down and up and down and I did not detect anything abnormal or woo you know pay attention uh, during that entire scenario I went out and I looked and I could see the moon it was clear over me and I looked up and I saw the lunar eclipse going and I went eh, interesting and walked away from it because I don't think the moon is real so <laughs> it doesn't uh it doesn't instill me with magic. Really? Yeah. Mm. Well, I was I was doing a an energy thing back in 2012 with the Watchers, and it was I don't even remember the details except that I was sort of like sent out of body, and as I'm out of body, I stopped by the. ET ship that's above me all the time just sort of looked in and kind of waved and then we go right by the moon and I'm going like why aren't we stopping at the moon because I knew we were on our way to the sun they wanted some kind of it's again the witnessing the human witnessing thing mm-hmm. and uh, we go by the moon and they said it's artificial and I went oh okay <laughs> wow yeah I've heard that before and I always was like well if it's artificial then is it some sort of ship? Well, I, mean, it did, I think what it well see there is a tremendous indication that it's not real. Uh, first off, if we didn't have the moon at exactly the uh, size it is and the distance it is, we wouldn't probably have the well. We certainly wouldn't have life like we know it on Earth. The ability of the moon to control the tides. Um, and to um, uh, control the rotation, the daily rotation of the planet. Because it's there, it keeps it at a certain rate. And that rate allows for a, uh, where you've got a continual, it's like a, a thing on a, a rotisserie, you know. It goes at a rate so you never burn the chicken. <laughs> you know, it's the same sort of thing. You don't ever burn up part of the earth because you're sitting over it too long. So many different requirements for life ex- exactly like we have it that could only happen with this moon. When I first heard about that, uh, coincidence, you know, there is no coincidence. It's thought and action. I did start to question it then. But then when they had, um, remember that big uh, uh, event where they were going to send a crash, a, crash a fairly heavy and very fast um, satellite into the moon so that they could it would kind of drill down deeper and they were going to see if there was water. I think they were looking for water. Yeah. And when they hit it, it nothing really happened. You remember that? It was like, oh, we're all watching the television and it was like, did it happen? Yeah, and they said it rang. It rang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they heard, clearly heard. Now, they had heard this before um, when certain things would, like um, when the Apollo started up and, the, and they would... Uh, you know, the, the part of the vehicle would, would crash back into it, and they could hear it, you know. But it was like, did we really hear that? But this thing was so loud that apparently it was it was detectable by numerous places. And it rang for a long, long time. And um, and then there's the story. Does Simon tell it? Who tells the story about... Well, he, he probably starts with um, George Lucas and the uh, the uh, 
killer planet that just is moving. You know, it goes, it goes, oh, I mean, it's moving. It's like a spacecraft, but it looks like a planetary thing, you know? Mm-hmm. There's always these stories about planets that are really have people in them. And, uh, supposedly there was, um, when the, when the, uh, planet that, that was in the asteroid belt blew up, too bad Walt's not here because he'd remember all the details, but when it blew up, um, there was a, a, a part of it that was, or there was a, a vehicle, the moon became the moon that actually took some of those people and put them over here and then they went down to earth and they just sort of like, well, listen, if we keep it here, it's going to cause this and so then we can have better planet. Um, I don't know. All I know is I was told it was artificial and I don't see anything real about it. Hmm. You, 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 there's no feeling of, uh, it feels like a machine. It doesn't have a... You go to the sun and there's all sorts of energy. You go to the planets, there's all sorts of energy. You go to the moon and it's like, you know, <laughs> nothing. Hmm. So, so anyway, I wasn't impressed with what I was saying, but on the... Uh, you know, again, it goes into... When you're on a beach full of people that want to see magic, you know, the... In a, in a blood moon coming up, I mean, for all we know, they just sort of like made it bigger than it should have been. You know, made it more spectacular than it really was. Because what? Reality is what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't underestimate people to, to be able to manipulate, especially now because everything seems to be getting easier to manipulate. Mm-hmm. In one so, way or another. In one way or another. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, okay. Where do we go from here? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, did let me see. Maldek. Maldek. Well, yeah. that's uh Do you mean Maldek? Yeah. yeah, that's the planet that. Uh, it's got another name too. I forget it. Begins with a T. But that was the planet that was um, destroyed, and it became the Astro Belt. And supposedly, I think they were reptilian. If I'm remembering correctly, it was part of the reptilians, and that's how they got here. Hmm. It also is probably when, you know, a good portion of Mars's atmosphere was blown off. They got severely damaged from the explosive. Well, didn't we also, was it Mars that we bombed about the same time that we bombed the moon? Maybe a year or so difference. I'm thinking it was Mars that they did that to, because they just wanted to see what would happen. I'm like, seriously? Well, on Mars, the, um, the you know, there's been these, these warring factions forever and ever. Uh, that's what irritates me, is that, look, we're, we're trying to clean up Earth with the hope that the rest of the universe might be a little less crazy, but they just seem to be as crazy as we are. Yeah. Except instead of fighting against, you know, one country against another country, they're fighting one civilization against the. Why? What is the purpose of all this? Are we caught in some, you know, War of the Worlds uh, video game and we can't get out? Well, one, I think... Scientists, I think, often just want to do, you know, like, let's, it's like having a new chemistry set. 
my brother and my cousin blew a hole in my aunt's bathroom floor, you know, with the new chemistry set. Let's put all this stuff together and see what happens. I think they just don't think about the ramifications. I think women uh, often try to say, okay, if I do this, what's going to happen? And I think often that some men don't do that. They don't think ahead like that. You know, it's they just do crazy crap because they can. Well, I think they don't have the imagination. Well, I mean, they have some imagination or they wouldn't be scientists, I think. Well, but but I I was watching some movie and there was about race car drivers, and this one race car driver said, "Oh, race car drivers can't have any imagination because if they could, and they could imagine what it's like to crash at you know 120 miles an hour or something, they couldn't drive that fast." And I I think that's that's true. Like you see you see, uh, well I'll give you an example. My brother had a bunch of kids with him and he was going down now he was a kid himself but he would he was building this uh like a go-kart only it was based on um compressed air coming out like a hydroplane thing mm-hmm. uh, like the boats but this was this was a little go-kart thing and so he he's got his son and the son's friends and he go he's driving up to where his shop is and he's saying to him you got to be very careful. You got to do these safety things, and he's talking all the safety. And they get in there, and they took one look at the the carts, and they went Mario carts, Mario carts, and they jumped on them, gunned the damn things, and then crashed. And he was like, "What in the heck happened?" You know, and he was like, just absolutely perturbed. And and they get off, and they were laughing, and he was so confused as to what had just happened. He just carted them right back into the car and took them home. Mm-hmm. About a week later, he comes home and he's hearing Mario, Mario, and he goes in and they're playing this Mario Brothers game, and they had carts that looked very similar to the ones that he had built, and they were crashing, video crashing. And he said to me, "If we, if me and my brothers had crashed like they did, we would have been crying just whether we were hurt or not." But they come out laughing. He says, and it's because they're doing these video games and they don't know that you can get hurt. They're crashing them all the time in video. Mm-hmm. You're killing people all the time in video. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, whoa. You know, and if reality is what you, what we think it is, we ought to unplug them for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's where all this, you know, increasing violence and this, you know, snowballing effect of it keeps getting worse is coming from. Oh, I've said that for years, you know. What was that first really crazy game Columbine. that came out? Columbine. Well, I'm talking about the video game of Car Chase or Car Thief or God, I can't remember the name of it. But it was about killing people and stealing cars and raping women and killing cops and with no remorse. You know, because it's just a game. Let's just see how much evil we can do. And that was the whole premise of this game. And I'm like, 
serious? And people were buying these damn games for their kids. Well, which, that's where I first Which heard the about parents it. need to be slapped upside the head with an iron skillet. Well, <laughs> I, the first thing I heard about them was Columbine, because um, these two kids that went in and killed all those people had been playing these video games all the time. And, you know, you, you look at it and you go, well, if you're filling your mind with all this violence, sure, you can walk in and it's it's not real to you. Right. Just like the Mario cars. Yeah. Well, you know, too, in a lot of these kids who are doing these supposed school shootings, because, you know, there's a lot of information out there saying, you know, that they're all false flags or they're all fake with actors and all this kind of stuff. But you, the, the storylines are all the same. Kids a loner, stayed home, played video games all the time, had emotional, mental problems, on meds, went to counselor, mom took him to the shooting range. You're like, what? And they're all the same. And these kids have this crazy, crazy look in their eyes. Like, there's nobody home. Well, the real creepy thing about that is, I don't know if you ever heard of Al Belichick, I think his name is. He was one of these guys that supposedly was on the Eldridge during the Philadelphia Experiment. Grand Theft Auto, that was the name of that game. Right, right, right. And um, he and his brother jumped overboard off the Eldridge and ended up in the future. Mm. Because... They had ripped uh, the fabric of time and space. So he, and, and I, this was, oh my gosh, this was basically before the Internet. The Internet was just getting going. And he had a, 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 a CD that I got, and it was, you know, his entire story. It was like his story, but on CD. And he claimed, along with uh, Nichols and the Montauk concept, that all of that was was true. It was all part of the Philadelphia experiment. Mm -hmm. That there, that every 20 years or something, that there would be this other, you know, like this, this portal opened up and, you know, they would try to sync with it and it was just absolutely fascinating. But what he said was that they had gotten to the point, and of course now we have confirmation from uh, Captain Corey, um, Kramer. Kramer. That, no, it's um, Randy Kramer, Corey Randy Good. Kramer. I always do that. Randy Kramer and Corey Good, but Randy Kramer, who said that he was taken out of his um, environment at the age of 18, spent 20 years in the super-secret space uh, world of Star Trek, the breakaway civilization, and then when he was supposedly going to retire and have a very nice retirement kind of compensation job, he ended up back in his bedroom a few seconds after they had taken him. Now, according to Al, I believe it was Al, um, they'd gotten to the point where they could actually go and take an entire classroom of children right out of the classroom, hmm. put them someplace else, and basically quickly program them so that if they got certain keys, certain, you know, turn on things, that they would go through certain motions. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then they would be sent back a fraction of a second after they'd been taken so the teachers don't even see it happen. Mm. Um, and that this is supposedly the group of crazy, psychotic super soldiers that are going to be turned on and, uh, you know, take the rest of us out when, when, when the time comes. Wow. So, I listened to that story and I went like in the, oh man, I hope this isn't true category. Mm-hmm. You know? But because of the amount of detail and uh, where it was coming from, it was like, oh man, this could be true. So, but I never committed to it. But then they started having all these, um, shootings. And remember when, when, when you had to be careful not to go postal? Oh yeah. Because so many postal people were, were going in and killing. Now there hasn't been one of them in I don't know how long. Right. You know, but I mean it was like every other month you had somebody in the post office killing everybody else in the post office. It was like, you know, the, the term go postal became very popular. Mm-hmm. And what was clearly, uh, found out was that virtually every one of these people was on Prozac. Mm-hmm. They were on a mind altering drug. Well, and there had to be something, as you were talking about, more than that. I mean, you go to the post office and you stand in line for a long time. But for the most part, it's real quiet in there. It's People are like at the bank, you know, where they're real hush- Or like at church. They speak in low tones and if they speak to each other at all, you know. So I always thought, well, it's why the heck are they... Targeting post offices. I mean, other than that, they're federal buildings. But, uh, you know, I still think there was uh, experimentation. Oh, I'm uh, sure it's all mind control. Oh yeah, you know. You know, these kids. It's like you say they fit the. They keep fitting the same pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't. Life's not like that. You know, I mean, it's like, it's just too. When you keep getting the same pattern over and over and over again, there's something else to the story. Yep. Yeah, and you you look at these parents that, you know, they're like, how did this even happen? Well, how many moms take their kids to the shooting range? This last one was, he had a mom that took them to the shooting range? Yeah, and so the one at uh, Sandy Hook. Yeah, I knew about that. And big gun collections. How are these kids who don't work... How are they getting all these huge gun collections? They don't go anywhere because they don't have any friends. But they all well, have these many huge... times the, the parents have been completely, you know, almost every time you talk about a super soldier, there's a parent parental involvement in it. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to give permission. And the child can't. They're not young enough to understand the ramifications. Mm-hmm. So the parents turn them over. Well, maybe the parents are mind-controlled as well. Because you, one, I know what teenagers' hormones do to them, you know. There's no way in hell I'm getting my teenager a gun or a knife, (laughs) you know, because sometimes their little hormones just go wacko, you know, and uh, they're already mm, in... Uh, instant gratification they're already you know they're not yet thinking before they act 
which is why they're in trouble a lot, you know, and you're going to go out and buy them these guns that they can shoot a thousand bullets in a second. Well, that's a slight exaggeration, but, you know, it just does not make sense to me. And and it never works. They they keep using it to get the guns under control, and every time they say they're going to take the guns away, everybody goes out and buys more guns. Yeah, which is one of those things, I think, that makes it even more believable that this is all black ops kind of stuff. You know, like countries go into other countries stir up shit under another name and then oh my gosh look at the evil over there we got to go stop it even though we just started it you know i think that it's a lot of it's just mind game crap on the people the you know citizens and i'm not even sure if that's a word you're allowed to use still you know that keep them scared keep them fighting uh, make excuses. I mean, you know, can't do 9-11 again. That's already been done. So we'll just have them all out there killing each other and maybe somebody. Because there is that faction out there who says, oh, we need to take the guns away from everybody. And I guess Australia is uh, trying to get the U.S. to get rid of their guns which is odd because the Australians I talk to say, well, they took our guns and now we can't fight them and now they've passed a law over there that you have to get these inoculations, these vaccines, or risk losing your social medicine and your social security Blah, and all that kind of stuff. And your kids can't get it either if you don't take this shot. And that was done with U.S. urging. So I'm wondering how much of this stuff is the, uh, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back kind of thing. Why the heck is Australia, um, involved in trying to get the U.S. to take their guns away? Well, because if they can blame it on the Australians, they don't have to blame it on, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. <laughs> or who the hell ever. Or Boner. Boner. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, a guy that doesn't even know how to pronounce his own name. <laughs> well, I think that uh, he must not have been going along with the program because you've seen him crying with the Pope, you know. Right. And right. everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, and plus... That whole mm, far right thing, you know, it's, uh, there's the big fight between, oh, evil Catholics versus the not so evil Protestants. I'm like, seriously, dudes, you know. <laughs> but, you know, and if it's not the Catholics versus the Protestants, it's the versus the Muslims, it's, they just keep us fighting over all this stupid crap. So that we're not taking a look at what the hell they're doing. And you know, the, the, the question of the gun thing is, um, I've said for, for a long time, the only reason that we're still, you know, basically surviving is because we have the guns. 
Yeah. If, if we didn't have them in the United States, believe me, it'd be a lot different. Right, and that's what Australia and England is too has also said. You know, they've said the same thing. Is you know that they look to America because we still have the guns, and what most people don't understand is that we have the guns, and it's not to protect us from each other. It's to protect us against a government that has gone. Postal. <laughs> you know? Well, if you if you read the Constitution, it doesn't. It's not saying you have the right to own a gun. It's you have the responsibility to own exactly. a gun and to be the militia mm-hmm. to protect what the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Right. And now we are uh, labeling all these militias as dangerous people. They are dangerous to the powers that be. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, know, when they're doing the same thing to the soldiers that are coming home, the veterans who have gone over there and saw the crap that's going on really and come home and are, shall we say, dissatisfied, so they've labeled all of them as dangerous. Not only that, but in the state of Virginia alone, 20,000 veterans disappeared oh yeah you know they've been they they just are taken off the streets why because they know how to use the guns mm-hmm. um one of the things that they did going back to the native uh, american question when they in massachusetts the uh the white people sent in the the priests and the priests convinced mm-hmm. the natives to give up their weapons to um for the bible mm-hmm and as soon as they all had Bibles and no weapons, that's when they slaughtered them. Mm-hmm. And they slaughtered them. And anybody who, who thinks that didn't happen is, well, they're just wrong. Yeah. And, you know, they're buying into the to the BS history that we've been told. It's eight o'clock. You want to take a little break and um, sure come in. We'll figure out what, what we'll do next. Yeah, because this cosmic reality. <laughs> We're gonna have to switch realities. <laughs> we got it. We got to change it because if we're, if we're gonna buy into what's there now, it's it's why no. Let's change it. Let's okay, change. I'm gonna play one of the songs Walt sent me called "Spirit of Life." All righty, we are back. Yes, we. I guess we are. <laughs> um, yeah, you said something about cosmic reality, and I said, you know, this is the cosmic reality show, and we have not done this actually. Um, we talk about the rules of cosmic reality, and those were the rules that I came to understand over a lifetime of asking questions. Um, I'm going to just read the, the first few because I do want to discuss the ones that we never seem to talk about much. Okay, reality is what we think it is. Rule two, majority rules. Three, those who are in a position of power will keep everyone else from knowing the first two rules of cosmic reality. Four, success lies in the being, not in the doing. Now, that one we don't talk about much, but what it means is that you don't have to go out and get yourself involved in the 3D world of the Tea Party or uh, groups or religions or any other group activity or even just protesting. You don't have to do any of that. The most important thing is that you get right with yourself. It's much more important that you take the time in a day to 
see who you are, what you need, how you can become better. Because it's only if we work on each other individually instead of getting involved in stuff that keeps us away from understanding who we are. We are the most important things in our lives. We have got to make sure that we come out of it knowing our strengths and growing into what we can be. So we don't talk about it much, but it's it's really very critical. Oh, I agree. You know, there's... It's, and so many people <clears throat> join groups when they don't even know who they are yet and they identify themselves according to the group that they have joined. Um, and I made that same point in... Uh, relationship to religion that anytime your spiritual practice for lack of a better word um, becomes a religion then it's uh, it's been sullied you know it's been twisted uh and it's no longer yours, you know, because it's an individual thing. You know, what works for you, say, meditation-wise, may not work for me. So I have to find my own way of getting there, so to speak. So uh, you're absolutely right, you know. it's uh, You have to find who you are, what works for you. And a lot of people may think that it's, selfish um, and the self-centered but really you can't do a whole lot of good for anyone unless you are centered in yourself unless you know who you are first and they, and they make it so that you know that there's something wrong with being selfish good lord no you should be you should protect yourself and I go back to the thing if the plane is going down the mask falls they tell you put it on yourself before your child if you're not right, nobody's right. And I think that that is part of the very subtle perversions that they make on our way of thinking of, of ourselves. You know, you should be self-sacrificing. Well, what does that mean? If I'm self-sacrificing, then I'm sacrificing myself? I don't think so. That's not good. Right. You know, we should be in service to others, and that includes ourselves. Mm-hmm. First, number one. You know, but it, it's, again, it's not something you don't, ha- I see too many people that run out and they get involved in stuff thinking they're good, they're doing good. And all that's happening is that they're getting frustrated and fearful. Right. And there's also an awful lot of people who spend all of their time helping other people, doing for others, and they don't do anything for themselves. And, they end up all pissed off all the time, disappointed all the time, feeling like, I do all this stuff for everybody, nobody does anything for me. Well, you're not doing anything for you. Do it for you first. And then, you know, take care of you. And then you've got energy, you've got desire and all this to do for other people. I think a lot of people do all this other stuff so that they don't have to spend the time on themselves 
Yeah, they, if, if they don't have time to deal with themselves, then that's an excuse never to do it. Mm-hmm. And yet that is playing right into the hands of the powers that be because, like we say, claim dominion over yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, don't say, if anything is happening that's wrong, it's my fault because it is your fault. Because if you're going to be in creation of your own reality, then everything you think is going to turn into your reality. So you have to be particularly, you know, focused on how you think. And what you think of, where do you spend your time focusing? If it's on fear, well, you're going to have a fear-based life. Mm-hmm. If you can imagine things that are different and good, and you know, well, that's that becomes your reality. So, um, like I say, we don't talk about it much, but well, we do in a, in a subtle way. You know, we say claim dominion, mm-hmm. look at yourself. You're the most important. And of course, chance is a pseudonym for thought, which is number five. We talk about that all the time. Say that again. Chance is a pseudonym for thought. It's chance is thought in action. Is what I've come to call it. Mm-hmm. But chance is a pseudonym for thought. Um, there's always thought behind anything that just you know these these synchronicities and this. Oh wow! I was just wanting to do that, and here it is. You know, all of that is your thought has created it. You know, you're manipulating the energy universe with your thoughts, and we we dismiss it as chance. It's not chance, you know. Take take the responsibility and take the uh, you know the the honor of saying, yeah, I did that. <laughs> you know, I'm that powerful that I did that. And once you begin to understand these little things are really manifestations from your own being, um, you'll begin to understand the true power that you have. Um, rule six is that you are not alone. And in the book, I I, I talk about this one more philosophically than anything else because yeah you're not alone you've got your 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 inner child you start with the inner child you got your higher self you've got your soul you've got your spirit you've got you know all these kind of like spiritual metaphysical creatures and beings and archangels and and angels and all of these these imaginary things and so in, in, in a sense in that if you can't imagine them you can't see them they're not there. If you don't strive to understand what they are, you'll never understand what they are. But then there's the other side of it, of, of spiritual guides that, um, you know, are there that could be from an ET place or could be from your future for all we know or maybe from your past. Um, but it's, it's even more than that when you look at the next rule, which is everything that exists is linked to everything that exists. Mm-hmm. And that one kind of like was difficult for me to understand in that I really like myself and I'm not about to give up my individuality to any group for any reason. I just won't. Mm -hmm. So how do I come to an understanding of the uh, everything is linked to everything that exists if I don't want to give, you know, what is this linkage? You know, I mean, I really had to understand the definition of the linkage and what it is really is that if I'm if I want to maintain my own semblance of being I have to get with people that want to maintain their own semblance of being you know they don't want to give up everything they are for some group so that's where you want to get to you want to get with the people that realize we're all linked we can't we're on the same boat it's called earth same spaceship we have to work together in order to um, 
bring in realities that we really want to see, but that we don't have to give up our sovereignty to do. Um, I think I'm pretty firm in what I, I have my understanding of it now. Uh, now, number eight is there is a finite number of souls. And that came about when I started realizing the concept of simultaneous incarnations. And that came with John Kennedy. John Kennedy and myself and probably a lot of others were um, being simultaneously projected by the oversoul that projected us. Because why would you limit the capabilities of your own soul and spirit? Um, the only difference would have to be place and space. And even though we're in the basic same place of America in the 60s, our space is our individual space that we encompass. So you will never have two people that are occupying the same place and space. So if you, and there's no time, past and future and present all happening. So why would you limit yourself by saying, well, you can only have another incarnation after the one before that dies. You know, that didn't make any sense. Plus the fact that we were now at 7 billion people. Where are all these people coming from? Is somebody making souls every time they make a new person? And, um, and then I had a out-of-body experience with, um, with Kennedy at the time of the assassination, and I realized, no, no, there is simultaneous incarnations. And then I Googled it and found out that there's millions of, of articles out there by people who agree with me. Yeah, they know it too. So I, there has to be a finite number of souls. We're just not continually making souls, in my opinion. Um, I even considered that from the standpoint of, well, as the human beings increase their population, the animal kingdom is decreasing their population. Is it that... Uh, we got a, a cat who dies and then is, you know, changed to be able to incarnate as a human being. Your mic's open. Um, you know, I don't know if that is, I think it's a potential, potential answer, but I didn't see enough animals out there, you know, that I thought could make that jump easily. But again, you know, there's millions of them that just are dying for no reason at all, so maybe. No, but that's a possibility. And Spinky, sp speaking, speaking of reincarnation, did you happen to see that article about the three-year-old boy who said that he had been murdered uh, four years ago? This little boy came back quick, and he uh, was telling his parents that He'd well, now, was he an adult when he was murdered, or was he a child then, too? Um, well, it showed a skeleton, and I'm not sure if that was his actual one, but it looked older. It didn't look like a little child. But he started telling his parents that he'd been murdered, and he described the murder, and he told them where his body had been buried, and... They went to where the kids said, this is where they buried me, and dug it up, and sure enough, there was a body in there, along with the axe that had been used to kill the little boy, or the the guy. Um, 
And the little boy has a birthmark in the center of his forehead where he was struck with the axe. And he even told him who did it. And they went to the village and confronted the man who had done it. And at first the man said, no, 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 I didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. So they took him to the grave and showed him the axe. And then the man confessed that he had, in fact, killed this person and buried him. And I was like, wow. Was this an American child or somebody else? No, it was somewhere else. Um, it didn't really, to my knowledge, say where. But uh, that was somebody wanting to come back real quick and get justice. Well, you know, we could we could do that, I would think, if we just said, you know, everybody that's murdered comes back immediately remembering and remembering where their bodies are. <laughs> you know, that would that would make people think twice, right? Oh, yeah. Say, you talk about instant karma. Well, four years is pretty darn quick, you know, for karma to come back and bite oh. you in the ass. But I mean, there's there's trillions of these stories out there. We just don't hear of them very much. Uh, of the uh that that's 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 a great story yeah yeah i think i saw it on posted on facebook or something oh well that must be true <laughs> um okay number nine which follows their our finite number of souls number nine is the goal of living is to tap into the conscious mind of the soul and that is, to me, the re- real key, because the conscious mind of the soul is really the subconscious of, of each and one of each one of us. And it's sort of like the way I finally started explaining it was it's like a you've got a server computer, and the server computer has all these personal computers that are on different people's desks, and they're all tied into this this the server computer. Now, if each one of these computers is in a different room and nobody can see that there's all these computers and you can't see the server, you really don't know where your computer ends up. Where does where, where am I tied into? But if you're got somebody that you know says, "Gee, I wonder what this is all about," and starts poking around, and all of a sudden gets connected to the server, then you've got access to all those other personal computers because they're all going through the server. So now you go, whoa, now you have access to your subconscious or the conscious mind of your soul. And the more that you can get to that point of retrieving information, I mean, there have been, I'll tell you, when I was in the military, I would get into a situation where I was a little old second lieutenant female, in a room full of generals. And there would be some general there that started to kind of like harass me by asking me ridiculous questions to test my knowledge, I suspect, to make me look like a fool was what the purpose was. But I had this little ace in the hole because at any given time I just switched my frequency and I let George Patton talk. 
And my staff knew that I did this. And I mean, I'd have, sometimes they'd come up to me and they'd say, hey, can you ask George to come out? We want to ask him some questions. <laughs> but I could do this. I could switch him on. And once you have that kind of access to information that I never learned in this lifetime, strategic information, um, you know, like things I just, I mean, I don't know about tank battles, but he certainly did. And I remember this one guy was challenging me to, to play these video games, these tank battle things. And um, I said, well, we actually were at a bar. And uh, one of the people there knew that I, you know, had this thing with George. And he goes, why don't you go let George play against this guy? He's a real jerk. Just, you know, cream him. And so I did. And George played the game and won, you know, and... So, it, but you can access this. Now, that's just one example. Another example was um, when I actually realized that there was a server computer was when I was still, um, I was really a kid. I was only 21. And I was in a nursing home. I was a, a night nurse's aide. We'd, you know, take care of the patients from uh, 11 to 7 every night. So I go into this guy's room, and um, he's being very non-responsive, um, and he doesn't look good to me. So I go out to the, uh, the uh, there was an LPN on the, that desk, and I said, uh, so-and-so doesn't look good to me. And she goes, oh, he's a diabetic, we better, you know, and she rushes over there. But as she before she left the, the uh, nurse's station, she called the RN who was the, on that night. So the two of them get in there and they start discussing whether it was a uh, diabetic coma or an insulin reaction. And me, I'm just freaked out. I mean, my mind was like going into non-compute. And all of a sudden, I just started to, to tell these two people all this information about diabetes and why it was one way and not the other. And they're looking at me because this, the decision that they were going to make would, would either kill them or cure them. And all of a sudden, I'm just blurting out all this medical information. And I was aware that I was doing it, but I was not really in control of it. I just sort of was standing back and watching myself do this. And so they looked at each other, and they went, well, she's absolutely right. And they made this decision, and the guy revived, and everything's okay. But I was, like, really pretty shaken by the whole thing. And so I went to um, this section that they had these medical books and went to the section on diabetes, and I was going like, oh, yeah, I guess I did know this. Now, how did I know this? That was what became my question. How did I know this? And um, every time you ask a question of the universe, you and, and this is another rule of cosmic reality that I didn't know of until recently, but every time you ask the universe or anything, it, it ends up giving it to you. So... I suddenly began to have, um, like, memories, flash memories of somebody from France. I knew it was France because that's what they were speaking was French. And it turned out that um, I got introduced to different people, and I just, I developed this whole understanding of a lifetime in France as a doctor. And that was who knew the information. He was a doctor. And at that moment, when I needed medical I needed to access a medical file. His was the one that I, I opened. And from that time on, I knew that I had access to information that I did not gleam in this life. Um, and I, I suggest that that is 
Our purpose is to be able to unlock all of those memories from our past lifetimes, from excursions into the unknown universe that we probably have all had. Um, so anyway, that's um, that's the concept that, number nine, the goal of living is to tap into the conscious mind of the soul, which is the server computer in, in, today, in today's world. Uh, ten is to access the conscious mind of your soul. You have to change your bioelectromagnetic field. Now, by that I mean that what happened to me when I when I pulled in the medical files was that my mind went into a non-compute. It just dropped all its its it just stopped thinking. And in this vacant non-thinking thing, a program that I had asked for, oh my God, I need to know that what they're talking about, just dropped in. It was a change in my mind that allowed the information to come in. When you're doing telepathy, it's your, you're, 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 you're just changing the frequency of your brain until you can tune into the frequency of somebody else's brain. When you do remote viewing, you're changing your entire bioelectromagnetic field to allow yourself to consciously project into an entirely different environment. You're no longer held by the rules of 3D. You can go into an etheric state and go anywhere you want and then pop back out into the 3D and see what's there. Um, all of these concepts of psychic capabilities, I mean, the, the best example of that was the uh, Long Island medium, when I've told this story many times, when she goes under to um, Dr. Oz's show, and they've got her hooked up. I couldn't believe she put this bathing cap thing on her head because she's so vain about her hair, but she did. And Teresa Caputo. And so Teresa's there and they're just talking and they're taking a brain scan and you can see all this lit up nice brain, you know, all these lights and everything. And when, when you've watched her long enough, you know that when she starts doing this weird thing with her mouth, that she's hooking into, to spirit. And as soon as she tuned into spirit, her brain went completely blank. There was no lights. It just went dark. Now, at first, you'd go, oh, my God, shouldn't it have gotten brighter? Well, you would kind of think that. But no, what happened was that she had changed her frequency in her brain, and the measurement devices that had been looking at it no longer could detect the new energies. So that was an absolute you know, demonstration that you have to be able to change your bioelectromagnetic field. All of the psychic potential that we have is there in the conscious mind of your soul, your subconscious. And it's all a matter of frequency tuning to be able to unlock these things. Now, Simon also talks about the, the, the changes in the DNA that we should really, we have, we have the capability by the basic structure of the DNA that we should have 12 strands. We've only got the two. Now, some child just recently in one of these big hospitals was, uh, his, a third strand was identified. They're out there, they just haven't been able to see him or they're not looking for him yet or they don't want to talk about it yet but it's happening they found dna changes in the great apes they found them in other animals they found the uh half-life of minerals has changed well that's just that just can't happen but we're in a different energy field because we're in a different sector of the universe of the galaxy in our solar system's relationship to the galaxy a lot of new energies and those energies are fuel fueling us to be able to 
again turn on DNA strands that will then tune us even closer to the conscious mind of the soul or the subconscious. Um, that that's uh, that's rule ten. Now to change that bioelectromagnetic field, the field that we're talking about, that you have to change before you can really tap in. It's all it's almost like um, you know you got to have the right operating program and the right uh, apps to be able to even get to the browser. So it's sort of like you need a browser before you can get to that server computer, the conscious mind of the soul. It's like a programming thing, okay? And to be able to do that, all you really have to do is change your way of thinking. The Russians, while the white, the white, white people, while the white people, while the uh, Western people, uh, scientists were looking at the DNA and only investigating 10% of it because only 10% of it could be identified as having a, oh, yes, that's what this does. 90% of it, they didn't know what it did, so they called it junk. And, and the Russians said, are you people crazy? If you get 90% of something, it's not junk. Let's find <laughs> out what it is. So they looked at it. And what they discovered is that the entire DNA structure in the body is an internal bio uh, internet. It's bioelectromagnetic. We use the the hard internet and the 3D, it's electromagnetic. It's bioelectromagnetic when you get it in the DNA. And it's working with um, chemistry to a degree in that certain signals are carried by changes in the in the chemistry that, that's almost like Morse code. you got the simple things. When the Russians looked at the DNA, they realized something else. The DNA vibrates, and it's a vibration that carries a tremendous amount of information. Tremendous. But that it's also an easily influenced uh, system. It can be hacked very easily. The number one powerful manipulator of the DNA sequencing in your body and the vibrating factors of it, how it vibrates, how it operates, is the human voice. If you take and you only are positive in the way that you speak, that you only speak the truth, that you're pure in your intentions of only doing good, if you do all that, it's not just the way that you're thinking it, it's the way that you're talking it. So changing your way of thinking can change your absolute core DNA structure. And once you can do that and tap into the this, this subconscious mind, the superconsciousness of, of your own soul, you've got access to powers that you can't even imagine yet. None of us can. We haven't got there yet. We've got to change our minds big enough to even understand it. So those were the ones that um, that I... I I absolutely went through. Well, when you read the book, you find that you know I tell the stories. Why? Why did? How did I come to these? And why do I think that they're real? And I give you my life experiences that say because of this, this, and the the other thing. It wasn't that it was somebody telling me these things. It was my own life demonstrating to me that these are the rules. 
one of the one of the the next two, twelve and thirteen, <laughs> really came from a very interesting. Um, it just came out of the blue. It's like you know, minding my own business, probably zoned out on something, and all of a sudden I've got this this phrase going through my head, and um, two of the statements in this phrase was that we are capable of our dreams. Well, the first one was reality is what we think it is. The second one was we are capable of our dreams. And that is something that, again, comes with experience. Because if you get as old as I am, I'm 67, when you've gone through, you know, all those decades of, and being aware of what I was thinking, because I've always been aware of what I was thinking. A lot of people can't say that. But I did. I was really into the way that I thought. It just came from the way I was brought up. And so I knew that at this point in my life I was thinking I wanted to do this and at this point in my life I thought I was and then do and I and I would just sort of like I had a rule when I was young if I looked at my watch three times in a single day I would quit the next and find another job because I didn't want to be a clock watcher and in those days you could do that you know it was like getting a job was not that difficult so I could do it for a long time that's the way I did it so I went through a lot of different types of jobs different employments exposure to all sorts of things so you get down here to where I am now and I look back and I go whoa that's a very interesting um, series of events because right now what my job is my mission is is to get Shanghai to the masses and the only reason that I have been picked to do that is because my whole life was designed to give me the information and the experience to be able to do that everything and the only reason I got that particular mission was because of the book cosmic reality because as I was writing it especially like the first book had been written since the 80s okay the first book in the two book series the second one, down the rabbit hole, I had been writing mostly about current events, but I mean current events going back to, you know, 2008, not, you know, and, and then forward up until 2013. And I would be taking uh, notes on different things. I was continually re really researching everything, and I would make position papers. Like I say, I was an intelligence officer. I was trained to brief. I wrote briefings on everything that I would research. So that when I decided I was going to write down the rabbit hole, um, all I did was go back to my research files and started pulling them, you know, the subjects. And anybody who's done any kind of writing knows that you just don't start out pulling things and putting them together. You normally have to rearrange and figure it out and none of that. It was like one after the other I pulled them. I never made a change in the book in any of the sequencings of, this, of the very numerous subjects that I cover until the very end of it. And a friend of mine has sent me an article, uh, a link to this woman who was claiming that the um, 100th monkey did not ever happen. Now, the 100th monkey, make it very short, was uh, a British group of scientists and a Japanese group of scientists studying the same species of monkey on islands that were 200 uh, miles apart. And when on the, the British island, when the monkeys started copying washing potatoes, which were sweet potatoes, 
And then all of a sudden, the hundredth monkey got washed it, and then everybody in the tribe washed it. On the Japanese island, which they didn't use potatoes, they were rice people. All of a sudden, but they did have the sweet potatoes that the the monkeys were eating on the island. All of a sudden, one day, all the isle, all the monkeys started to wash their potatoes. And it's called the hundred hundredth monkey syndrome. And not only do I know it's true, I I researched it over the years. I kept track with with other researchers that were trying to um, figure out why why this happened, and they could duplicate it. So, but this woman's um, disinformation, I thought, could either be totally disinformation or it could be that she's living on another timeline where it didn't happen on her timeline but i knew it happened on mine but still it didn't seem to be a critical element and why should i you know worry about it let me just pull it from the book so i pulled it from where it was that was the only change i made and then the next day gene rockefeller messages me and people that follow us on the show know who gene is and she's got a horse jack who's a watcher and she says Nancy, I don't know what he's talking about, but Jack said you got to put in whatever you took out of the book last night. And I, I went, what did I take out of the book? And then I went, oh my God, the hundredth monkey. Now how, if Jean's just reading me, she's damn good at it. But it's more likely that Jack is real because I've been with him for a few years here, and he's as real as anything I know. So now Jack's telling me I got to put it back, and I went, okay, okay. So I look at it and I go, okay, oh my God, it shouldn't have been where it was. It should be here. With with only that change, in three months I had put this whole thing together. But when I thought it was finished, something metaphysical happened. I talk about it in the book. But something made me realize I had not finished the book. I went back, and that's when I discovered Gaia. Because what I had missed was a scientific investigation into the concept that you have to have a creator. You have to have, you have creation. You have to have a consciousness. You have to have a... Creator consciousness. Manifestation is not possible without consciousness. So when I understood that, I realized that there had to be some super godlike consciousness, creator God, that had created everything in the biosphere. And I started using the word Gaia. And I'm going like, why do I have, what is this word? I know it's something to do with mother, why am I using it? I looked it up and it is a Greek word for mother nature and it has a lot of other meanings. But I think it's a power word that every time you say it, that something happens with you and within a physical DNA restructuring. Remember? The, the human voice is a very powerful, uh, restructuring of DNA. And I think that Gaia, the word, is a power word. It's like a, a programming that's in a tone. We're beginning to really understand how important sound is and tone is. So um, that's how I ended up with the concept of being subservient to Gaia while maintaining my own individual sovereignty. But knowing that if she can't survive, if we can't make everything right for her, then our chances of, of doing well are... are are not very good. <laughs> Within four months, I've been given Shungite by her. Now, somebody brought it to me. I didn't go out and try to buy it in the store. I was aware of it by the time they got it to me. But I, I would never have left the house to go hunt for it or tried to order it online. I wouldn't have done that. She had to get it physically in my hands. And then I was like, oh, my God, what is this stuff? And um, 
that's become my life, is getting Shungite to everybody who will, everybody, because it's, it's a, ma- it's magic. If Dolores Cannon is right and her spirit guides told her the truth that we're here to learn how to manipulate energy, then Shungite is like the golden key to everything. And I just, I, you know, let, let me tell you, my brother was, my brother died because of the friggin' radar and cell phones. And I tried to warn him, but couldn't. I spent the 80s trying to start a company to go into people's houses to take readings because sometimes you can just make a, a little change that will save everything. But when I had Shungite, it was like, I can stop this electromagnetic crap, this, because when I first discovered what they were trying to do, I talked about a psychic weapon machine that could get into your head, that could get into your body. I learned all this by coincidence and chance meetings with people? I think not. And so, I mean, I saw the whole development. I've been fighting it all my life, and suddenly I have Shungite that can make all the difference in the world. And every time we've asked it to do something, it, it does it. The newest uh, experience I had with Shungite was um, taking this trip up north, and... I have ne- I, I went the first time when they got brought those scanners out and stuff. I said, "Well, the only way I'm ever going to know whether it's good or bad is to go through the dang thing." So I did, and it was the most horrendous energy thing I've ever done to myself. I was so mad that I had even taken a chance. It was dirty. It was unbelievable, and I did not have, know about Shungite. This is long before Shungite, and I had to work so hard to get my system cleaned of this this terrible x-raying crap that they did it was just i was i was infuriated so i never would go through another one and i would make them pat me down yes i know you're all bullshit at me and you're going to make a scene so that nobody else would be so embarrassed come embarrass me i am not going to go through that again so i get to the fort lauderdale airport and um there's a a really they were doing construction you had to be there early and all this and there's a long line and i I go up to the, and I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I don't, I just hate to make such an ass of myself, but I know I can't go through that, and I just wish that somehow or another I didn't have to go through this, but, you know, and there's a long line, and the guy looks at me and he says, are you traveling by yourself? And I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, well, okay, you go that way. And he turns me completely away from the crowd, and I go by myself, and there is two people waiting for me, I guess, while there's like, you know, I think it was ten different sections away from me, but nobody's in this line. And I said to him, take my shoes off, sneakers off? Nope. I never took the the liquid stuff out. I mean, it was like, no, just come on and through. And I walked through the metal detector, and, you know, that's it. No x-ray thing, no crowd, no nothing. You know, I'm going like, oh, cool. <laughs> the gin must be working. Her guy is with me. Or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we go to Boston, and I'm flying out of Boston, and I'm kind of like, you know, well, they got me through it last time. They'll, well, it'll be a piece of cake, no problem whatsoever. So I kind of got that in my head. But again, long lines. We're waiting in these lines, and there's this, this, uh, you know, uh, partition. I, I guess you'd call it, partition wall thing. And all of a sudden, the partition goes up, and lo and behold, we've got a whole new section of 
of uh, you know where you put your take your shoes off, you put them in the thing, and and the all that stuff, you know. And um, I'm looking, and I don't see the X-ray machine. I'm looking for it. I don't see it. I'm going like, oh, good. I don't know what's happening, but good. There's no X-ray machine. And I go through this this thing, and all of a sudden he said, stop. And I said, why? To myself, but I stopped. And he says. Look at the look at the floor and put your feet so that it matches this thing and I'm going like oh my god I think I'm in this damn machine oh lord how did I get here and I realized that that somehow or another I had been tricked into this machine and they had me put my hands up over my head to take the pictures or whatever so I'm doing this and I'm going like and I'm not panicking I'm going like I'm getting this message don't do it do it do it do it do it you know and I'm going like okay and the guy says all right and I felt nothing nothing. And I walk out of there, and all of a sudden, this guy, big guy, walks up to me, and he's like, you go right over there, right over there, right now. And I'm going like, oh, Christ, what happened, you know? So I go over to the side, and this woman comes up to me, and she starts patting me down. Then she gets the wand. She starts doing the wand thing. Then she comes, and she takes, um, rubs my palms with some kind of uh, cloth thing, and then sticks this in the machine, and then... You know, I don't know, maybe 45 seconds later, the machine's showing green, and she goes, okay, you're all right. And I said, what did you just test for? And she says, explosives. <laughs> and I'm going, explosives? And she said, yeah, explosives. You, you the, the machine, you something, you tweak the machine. So I'm like, oh, my God, that was very strange. I come home. I'm telling Stephanie Dietz about it, and she says, oh, wow, she says, that's colloidal silver. I said, what are you talking about? She says, yeah, colloidal silver will um, give a false reading to these machines if you're taking it. They can pick up colloidal silver. And I was, I, I, then I realized that I had, I had Shungite S4. That's made from colloidal silver. I had the bracelet on. I had a, 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 a they, I had the stickers in my shoe. Both of my shoes had this stuff. I mean, you know, it was like, but I felt nothing in that machine. Nothing. Now, another weird thing that happened was I'm at my sister's house, and we're sitting at the dining room table, and I was, um, I think I was still eating. No, what was I? I was looking down and away from her. And I didn't realize what she was doing except that she was talking about she had to call for pick up some sandwiches or something. So then I realized, oh, she's going to, she's calling somebody. And then I got this weird feeling in my shoe and I'm going like, why is my shoe vibrating? And then I'm going like, whoa, that's where the sticker is. And I looked at her and she has opened up the phone or started up the phone. And I said, did you just turn your phone on? And she said, yes. And I said, oh, wow. I said, I just got this vibration where this, the S4 stickers in my, my shoe. And she says, well, the router's on the other side of the wall right behind you. And it must be that when the router kicked to, at the call of the open phone, that when it hit me and hit the Shungite field, there, as it started to, to spin it the other way, it caused a vibration in the in the shungite that I picked up on the sole of my foot. At least that's what I interpreted. So I had a very interesting um, trip. <laughs> um, the 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 uh, thirteen. I just want to read this this one here because it says twelve was we are capable of our dreams. Thirteen is doubt limits us. 
but fear cripples us. And that's just something to, to keep in the back of your head, that fear will cripple you. And 99% of everything you fear never happens anyway. Mm-hmm. And the last one that we've got up right now, there are more since uh, the writing of this book. Oh, wait a minute. No, there's more than that. Okay, communication solves all problems is 14. 15, you become the why of your actions. If you do everything for me, 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 well, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a really screwed up me. You know, um, if you do it to expand yourself, to um, be in service to others and to the planet and to claim dominion, that's what you're going to become. And then the 16th is consciousness is required to move source field to create. In other words, you need a consciousness. You need human beings there to visualize it as well as the super consciousness of Gaia herself. It's some kind of a rule that I don't fully understand, but in this particular time and place, she can do miraculous things, but she has to have human beings that are working with her to witness it. We call it the witness effect. So, there. Hmm. What you think? Got any comments? Um, I did have, but I forgot it. <laughs> oh, no. I kept going, right? Yeah, you and know, so- I have to jump on them right away or I'm like lost. Always interrupt me. I never get, <laughs> you know, I never get upset if somebody interrupts me. I'm sorry that Walt wasn't here with us. Hopefully he'll be with us next week. I hope he feels better. I haven't even talked to him, except for him to say he can't talk. Well, I hope he made some onion honey uh, syrup for his throat. Tastes like onion honey syrup. <laughs> yum, yum. Yeah, sweet onion syrup, that's what it is. I made some uh, last time I had it, so it didn't hurt me any. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we miss him here, his humor. Uh, so I appreciate everybody for hanging in here with us. Um, my, well, CosmicReality.net is where you can find the Shungite products and you can find a lot of information on Shungite. And boy, I have got to update that website. There is so much more information that's just happening out there about the EMFs. There's a lot more. Um, my, my niece is a doctor and, um, she's starting this new, I was telling you about it earlier, this new doctor thing where, um, and I'm hoping that, you know, I'm going like, I will send you Shungite, please investigate this. You can do so much just by making people, you know, in a home that is um Shungite environment. And I had another, you know, lovely gentleman order some more Shungite from me and he wrote, uh, this is I've bought from you before and the reason my wife is alive is because of your products. And he didn't go into what it was, but those are the, the reasons that I find that I'm, you know, so grateful that people are taking a chance with it. But anybody who's got Shungite, just be aware of the fact <laughs> that you can trip those TSA things. And uh, but not to worry because you don't have explosives on you. <laughs> and I, I actually put the. I said to her, "Could it be this bracelet?" 
you know, not knowing that it was explosives, but I thought maybe it's a metal detector. I, I wasn't even sure still. I'm going, was that a metal? What happened? Because I didn't feel anything. But I'm sure it's, I, I wonder what it looked like. But I'm sure that the, you know, it was a shungite that just transmuted those fields instantaneously so they didn't hurt me. Mm. Um, Vesa said, Vesa. Vanessa said, thank you for the show and giving the rules of cosmic reality. Oh, she's most welcome. Yeah. They're on, if you go to cosmicreality.net, there is a tab and it says cosmic reality. Let me just get the cosmic reality, the book. And if you go under there, there's book excerpts. And that's got the rules of cosmic reality. It's got the table of contents of the two books. It's got the preface. Talks about the Shroud of Turin, unconventional aircraft. That's about UFOs. Talks about hemp, the key to restoring the republic. Talks about harp, and ghost story, and report from Iron Mountain. And if, if you've never, re- if you're not familiar with the report from Iron Mountain, I highly recommend you, you take a look at that because um, that was something that John Kennedy ordered this this group to get together and figure out what would happen if war stopped being a reality. Mm. And this group, um, even after his assassination, continued to look into it. And what they decided was that you could not survive without war. And they make some mm. suggestions as to what should be done. And if you look at them, and this was done back in the 60s, and if you look at it, it'll freak you out because you're going to see things that you know they're doing now and where it came from. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine we can't have our society if we don't have war? Well, they can't survive without war. That doesn't yeah, that, mean we yeah. can't. That's right. Uh, so uh, we're at the top of the hour. I so appreciate you, Colleen, standing in for Walt even more than you normally do. <laughs> and I appreciate everybody that hung in and, and took a listen to us. We hope you had a good time. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be doing Whitley. Um, we are. Anza Whitley. And I'll be reading the 9-11 Crusade tomorrow and finishing it up. Last week everyone was like, Oh, don't stop! I felt bad. <laughs> and they got mad at me, you know. Like, you know the story. I said, well, I'll send you, a, I'll send you a copy of the PDF if it'll help, you know. Yeah. But it's something about you reading that's so much fun. You know, it's, it's like grandma's reading a book. <laughs> Get into well, we that. appreciate you so much. Um, anyway, everybody, have a good week. Um, be safe. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for being with us. And um, Walt, feel better. Colleen, I appreciate you so much. Love you so much. Good night. Love you, too, and glad to have you back. Yeah, me, too. (laughs) Good night. Preaching, preaching, the unknown, unknown, unknown. You have been listening to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. To 